Welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. I'm Betty Westbrook, a certified lymphedema therapist and the voice behind Lymphedema Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to provide answers and explanations for people affected by the lymphatic disease, lymphedema. This podcast is for patients, family members, medical professionals, and anyone interested in lymphedema. Each month, I will discuss a new topic related to this disease to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. Between shows, you can catch me on IGTV or Instagram TV, as well as monthly live Q&A sessions. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast just for you. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Disclaimer, as a certified lymphedema therapist, all information provided is based on my professional experiences and education. I recommend that anyone who feels they have lymphedema or have been medically diagnosed with lymphedema seek in-person medical treatment from a certified lymphedema therapist. Hello, hello. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Lymphedema Podcast. And yes, this is indeed not Betty. My name is Nicole Fascio and I'll be your guest host for today. Lymphedema Podcast is sponsored by Eros Medical, Rylands Feet Foundation, Juzo, Medi USA, and the National Lymphedema Network. This podcast would not be possible without these wonderful sponsors. Be sure to go show them some love by visiting their pages that are linked on the Lymphedema Podcast website. You can also find more information about each of these sponsors on my resources page. I am a fellow lymphedema patient and also a fellow podcaster. I have a podcast called Normal Adjustments, of course, inspired by this thing called lymphedema that a lot of us are here for. But before I start, I also have to thank Betty for this opportunity and for reaching out to be a guest here. I have to say it makes me very excited to be talking in this space because Betty was, and this podcast was one of the reasons that inspired my my podcast and my project. Uh, and I'm here today to talk a little bit about my story. I have lymphedema since I was born. And I have had, like many of you here, a tough journey with it. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I've gone through the common themes that, you know, Bisa explained in the previous episode and a lot of the people that Betty have had explained the guilt, the shame and the depression stages that come with a lymphedema diagnosis. But not only that, I, because it's been long <laughs> and my whole life, I also have other things to, to talk about that comes with lymphedema and not only lymphedema, a chronic disease journey. And one of the reasons that this came along as well is because I also have a big relationship with genital lymphedema and Betty asked for me to talk about it and I'm very happy to do so and in this space because it's something not talked about enough and I think we we have to bridge that gap and I'm here I'm here to bring some light into that and I'm also going to talk about a little bit about then what brought me here uh, to open up to my acceptance journey and to talk 
about normal adjustments and what that means to me. So without further ado, like I said, my name is Nicole Fascio. I am 33 years old. I currently live in the city of London, but I was actually born in a little island, wonderful island in the Caribbean called Puerto Rico. Even though I can talk a lot about that, I'm not going to talk about that here. <laughs> and I am actually an engineer by major. I work in tech uh, as a product manager in a big consulting firm here in London. Uh, that job made me live in uh, New York City for five years and now three and a half in London. And I've traveled a lot and I'm very, very grateful to be living a life that I'm living all with it, all, all of it with lymphedema. And I put that as a caveat because there it is, there's a very limiting story about lymphedema diagnosis and it, everything I'm going to talk about, it, it's me trying to break against that limiting diagnosis and me trying to challenge what I was told since since I got diagnosis and, and this on the and the protocol to follow or the protocols that used to follow. Now my lymphedema journey starts the moment of birth. Like I said, I was born in Puerto Rico and the moment of birth uh, uh, my lymphedema was present. I was grateful enough that I was born into a wonderful family and wonderful parents, that the moment that the doctor started saying crazy stories about what could have happened to my arm because it was in my left arm that the it was swollen, um, significantly swollen, that the theories started to being thrown around of what could happen, like, you know, the umbilical cord got tied into maybe the arm and that's why the blood flow stopped and that's why the arm is swollen. Uh, and like that, many other theories. And my parents uh, then went into like a journey of trying to find out what was happening. And there was no internet in 1988 when I was born. So it was uh, between the library and and journals, medical journals, and second and third and fourth opinions of doctors. And finally, nine months later, my parents ended up in the Boston Children's Hospital where I finally got diagnosed because they actually had had other lymphedema patients and they had some protocols that came from Europe uh, that that they they were kind of uh, trialing on pediatric lymphedema patients. So I was born with what we now know it's Milroy's disease, which basically is an developmental malformation, uh, genetic malformations of the lymphatic system which later on, not only my left arm has lymphedema, but caused lymphedema in most of my body. I have lymphedema in both of my legs, my abdomen, my genitals, my face, and internal organs, I have lymphedema masses. At the same, also I have lymphedema, uh, sorry, lymphatic fluid stored in in the pleural in the my left lung. What that means is that basically my left lung is dead. <laughs> so I live with only one lung. Um, and, you know, I was not that in touch with this diagnosis or what it all meant for many years just because I was, I was taught 
thankfully to to live kind of like a normal life like I didn't have anything I was really put that that um label of lymphedema and I'm quite grateful for it uh because I did went through most of my my childhood not not thinking I had anything different um and I maybe because of the insularism as well you know you go into the same school everybody accept it and I'm very grateful for it I think sometimes it's about not not highlighting something wrong might might just create that perspective uh but that wasn't the case then for my the rest of my life and I'm just gonna go through this quite quickly because it can become a very long story but Uh, as, of course, as I started getting to my teens and I started comparing myself um, to my friends and the people around me, I did start seeing the difference. Also, because then, as many of you know, lymphedema being a degenerative condition, the my legs started getting worse and I didn't want to accept that I needed to wear garments on my legs as well. And I didn't want to accept that I needed to take time off to go maybe to do some decongestive, intensive decongestive treatment. Even though through my life, I, I did knew what these things were and I did have some of the tools, but I just didn't want to. Um, and that then evolved into kind of, yeah, my, my late teens and my 20s. My late teens, I really noticed for the one, I think I discovered my <laughs> genital area. I really discovered that I had these like, Um, little um, pronunciated like blisters which are uh, for the lymphedema patients that have genital lymphedema no it's it's the these papillomas or or lymph cysts what they call lymph cysts but I didn't know what they were neither I knew if it was normal or not <laughs> I hadn't really seen another naked woman next to me um, and I I remember, and I've never told this story, and I'm gonna say here, I, I burst them because I, I didn't know what it was. It was a couple of them, and, and I remember like fluid coming out of them. Uh, but I, I didn't, I didn't not, didn't know much more. Um, and I, and I kept quiet, silent. I didn't tell my parents or my mom because, you know, I, it was worrisome, but I didn't want to add another burden or worry to anybody else. So, I did ask some therapist uh, that I had in Puerto Rico and she did say, yeah, that's normal only for the patients. And, you know, that that was worrisome and it, it made me ease a little bit in my brain and say, like, this is part of what I have. Um, and, and, you know, I went through life. But the, the problem was that the worst the lymphedema got throughout my 20s, when I say the worst, it was just... It was not properly controlled um, because of my diagnosis of Milroy's disease that involves this genetic factor. That means that even what I eat will impact lymphedema. You know, we all as lymphedema patients have this narrative of the heat and and the external factors for us women, the, um, the Uh, hormones when we're in our period we all know everybody that has a leg lymphedema knows how bad your leg gets when you when you're in your period and it's just like bad couple of days and then you know you can control it back to your normal but 
in top of on top of that my lifestyle in general will have a huge impact on lymphedema more than other lymphedema patients because of the genetic genetic connotation so all of that kind of became a bit of like snowball effect and in my early 20s as I started getting some treatment because I was not getting the correct treatment or maybe when I say treatment massage MLD sometimes if people don't really know they might not be directing your fluids the correct area and also on top of that I used a pneumatic machine that even though it works very good for some people, for my type of lymphedema, it can be quite bad because my whole lymphatics are compromised. Therefore, you might be directing fluid to an area that is still not excellent in directing its fluid out of the body. Therefore, it stores it in incorrect areas. So all of that snowballed into my genital area becoming worse and worse. Now, I have to caveat this here to put a a little parenthesis because as I start growing into this journey of advocacy and talking a bit more about my journey about lymphedema and being in touch with other lymphedema patients on their journeys, I've come to understand that there is kind of a common thread uh, of this kind of point in time sadly that that you know things got worse or things got bad and that is like the turning point for you to kind of try to to take charge of your lymphedema and I have to say that the genital lymphedema aspect of it was mine it was not my legs it was not my arm they, they were not great but the reason that my not keeping my legs not great made all aspects upwards because that's where the fluid flows due to the lymphatic system it made it worse and this is why I tell the story from there because I was it, it's a, it again it's a snowball effect because I was not taking care of my legs then it all started being worse upstream my genitals and my abdomen and then like I said the food I was eating was contributing the probably the amount of alcohol because I was in college and all that started becoming like a theme in my life because it was all about asking for help. So I was in college in Puerto Rico and I had these therapists around me and they, you know, they were great. Not many, you know, it's like like two or three people, but one of them did treat my lymphedema, my genital lymphedema. Like she was like, you can wear these foams, you can do this massage. And I did it a little bit, but it was already what I understand it was a bit exacerbated those lymph cysts became more and more the engrossment of my genital area became larger and larger and I went to clinics in Europe I since I was five years I went to the Vodder clinic in Europe and I returned when I was in my early 20s a couple of times and the doctors there the lymphologists didn't tell me anything about it I I would come up with the question I would say look what really bothers me and makes me worry is this because it's becoming worse as times goes on and you know I'm only 22 23 I was very worried um I was like what is gonna be of me at 
30. It's only seven years away or 40. You know, where is my life going? And and nobody gave me an answer. Uh, They were like, this is what happens. And I just accepted it as it is. And I just hope for the best, to be honest. I it, it, it was very demoralizing for many years. Then I went to New York and I moved to New York City. I had my dream job and I found doctors, great doctors. I have not say anything bad, but when I asked about this, they also didn't have answers. And the reason this is even more demoralizing in when you have this in your genital area, it's because... Taking your pants off in front of people, it's already a difficult thing to do sexually when you're with a partner or when you love someone or where you're like in intimate situation. Imagine in a hospital or clinical ward and like exposing yourself to, because you're desperate and find, trying to find help and then saying like, no, it's like a form of rejection that I cannot measure. And, you know, I went through my life with this for many many years and I decided once I found treatment for this and not for this for my lymphedema in New York found finally found treatment which we all know how hard it's gonna be it is everywhere in the world I have to say it's the same thing people I've been I lived in Puerto Rico in New York in London I've been to Germany I've been to Austria and everywhere everywhere in the world it's exactly the same thing so don't worry if you cannot find help or if it took you a long time the narrative is the same it does not change and it is in New York City the same thing and finally I found help and I, I didn't tell them and it maybe was a mistake I didn't tell them I, I think about this often I might have been like 25 because when I went underwent that treatment, they did treat my legs and my arm, but not my genital area. Maybe because of that amount of fluid going through my genital area, it just, to be honest, after that treatment, it got much worse. Um, I started then time trying to take control of my diet because I started getting a lot of allergies. When I say allergies, it was like the worst stomach pains. I can tell you I lived in this... Um, so, uh, kind of, again on another snowball uh this kind of loop in which I will feel horrible one day and then I would feel better but extremely hungry um and it was all related to gut problems and and allergies that I didn't know I had and also of not only allergies a way I was eating it was not being accepted by my body too much complex fats too much fried just because that's the way we know how to eat a lot of dairy, which I found out I was lactose intolerant at 26. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that makes sense. Um, and around that same time, I was so, and I was exercising and just because I understood that that was making me better. And I was wearing my compression by, by then more often and more diligently. Of course, with a lot of restriction, when I say restriction of, of my brain, because my brain was restricting me of accepting all this. It was restricting me from from thinking that I could wear this when I a night out. I didn't want to do that. I because that singled me out and I didn't want to do that. And all that was very difficult, but I, I was doing it and at least at work and I adjusted my clothes to 
to incorporate the, the garments in my legs, a lot of white pants, a lot of white skirts, mostly white pants so that I could wear the garments at work, uh, shoes that fit better so that I my feet wouldn't get swollen because my feet were getting swollen and also getting those lymph blisters. But none of that would make my abdomen or my genitals better and I struggled with that for so long. So then finally one day I was desperate and I took another appointment with this um my therapist in New York and I went to the office crying and I was like look when we did treatment a couple months ago maybe I had been a year earlier I didn't tell you but it's just my genital area it's just it's just getting worse and worse and I just need help and when he saw it he was like so surprised because he he wasn't expecting that after he had treated me and he's like don't worry I'm gonna send you to this doctor and I'm gonna say her name because she's wonderful and if anybody's in the New Jersey New York area please see her her name is uh, Dr. Kathleen Francis I have I owe a lot to that woman because then I took an appointment with her and in desperation I tell her my whole story in the office and you know one of the things I adopted for very early on in my in my journey was um the be your own advocate I go to doctors and places and I just tell them what I know about myself and my journey and my story I don't expect them to tell me because I already know they don't know well they might not know but that wasn't really the case with Dr. Kathleen Francis because you know she's quite knowledgeable on lymphedema but I did tell her everything and I told her what got me to that point and she saw me so normal and she saw me you know you're dealing with it you're doing everything but I'm like no but and you I took my pants down once again <laughs> so that she could see and and she was very surprised because not only the lymph cysts uh had just exacerbated not it was not only lymph cysts it was like lymph cysts upon lymph cysts and and the exacerbation of the lymphedema area what people see sometimes in legs and arms it was in my genitals to the extent that they were worried I could get necrosis in my genital area that, that what that means is that the, the tissue could die and, and that would be like you know horrible and she was so surprised uh, because these were also in my anus and that that's how uncontrolled my lymphedema was in my legs and my abdomen area because it was just fine trying to find ways of where to go out and that also meant that you know I probably had an internal problem with my lymphatic system because you know even internally it was rebelling against the my lifestyle and the way I was living and the lymphedema was just um not not the source it was the the effect of that and this woman just took things in her own hands immediately contacted the people she knew in Germany in the Foldy clinic uh and for those of you that followed me or know me I talk about that place like it was heaven <laughs> um for many reasons not everybody has had the same experience I respect that it's just that it gave me the tools that I have now and this was back in 2016 I packed my bags I went for a consultation there not only with the clinic but with a surgeon that was operating women with situations similar as mine 
When I say similar, women with genital lymphedema, not swelling, because the swelling it might be mild, but actually lymph cysts that are, they sometimes can get painful, sometimes can get very bothersome, and and, and very, like I said before, um, demoralizing and impactful to your to your life, your sexual health, which is important, and your overall confidence. You know, one of the most important things about being, you know, a productive human, I think it's it's how do you get through that confident? Regardless of what you have, how do you get to confidence level that you are happy with you are, what you are? And when you're in a situation like this in which everything is uncontrolled, you know, I, I talk about here right now about the genitals, but it was a whole overall thing. Even my face lymphedema was in its worst stages and I couldn't control and it, everything I tried was not enough. Uh, of course, now I know I was not trying it for long enough. I was not adopting it as as a lifestyle. I was doing it as band-aids. And that's something I'll touch on later. But still, it, it, was, it, it was quite hard. It was the worst times of my life. And when I found Dr. Kathleen Francis and, they, and I went to Germany and I then went into the surgeon and I went to the surgeon without hope and I went with my mom I remember this very vividly she was quite scared I she didn't really know much about it we had traveled to Germany for this but I hadn't really come clean to my family about this they were quite surprised that I was in this stage or that I was having these problems because like I said back when I was 15 I didn't put this problem on anyone just on myself and this is also what it was back like 10 11 12 years later and I was carrying this pain in my heart for so long and when I and and she and my mom was surprised and but she was scared I was like who's gonna be this person in Germany we don't speak German where she's Puerto Rican I'm Puerto Rican my first language is Spanish in Germany for me to be not only treated but probably operated and when I got to that consultation it happened to be that the surgeon was Spanish himself and if that's not magic I don't know what it is um it was a very magical moment a very humbling moment because it was like stars had a line for me to be there right then and that moment and it was wonderful and yeah, this person saw me and I, I, I was expecting already like I had had before in other situations uh, um, an answer of, well, you know, this is what it is and I can't operate it, but it wasn't. Um, he told me, yeah, we can do this and it would require a tight um, relationship with the Foldy Clinic because you're gonna be you need we need to decompress your whole body before we operate so make sure that you're fully decompressed and then we'll operate you and then you're gonna be in the clinic for another month and I said yeah let's do it and in October 2016 I packed everything I put my life on hold I put everything in storage in New York City uh, and and went to Germany to do this protocol and this um, treatment and surgery. And yeah, and I remember very well, I think it was November 2nd, 2016, I got my surgery and operation um, in which I got basically 
a reconstruction of my genital area and also removal of all those limbs in my anus area um but i didn't only left in december of that year with a new a new and rejuvenated vagina if we can say <laughs> which by the way i'll touch now it was a very interesting situation and and procedure but i also left with an appreciation of life and because it, it all went well I was very scared that it wasn't that my hopes I, I was sure I, I was scared to get my hopes up that that was gonna partially fix my situation because I knew that it was not a, a, a fix it was just um you know a, a reconstruction so that I could regain some control in my life and I left with all that and with with a promise to myself because I was I was told very clearly by the surgeons and the therapists like we can do this but if you don't treat and you follow the process and the protocols it will happen again because this is your reality and I heard that loud and clear and that that didn't make me sad at all it made me grateful because it brought me back to life It brought me back to my functional life and I'm very grateful for those moments. And I'm here right now because of that moment. And um, having answers or having partially like a, a regain control of, of what I was living was amazing and liberating. And it's like, it's literally like I had my awakening and I promised that I was gonna do that and I did that. I I regained control. I came back to New York. Actually, it wasn't not meant to be New York, but it, I, I went back to New York with a plan and it was, I'm gonna adjust my life the most I can to incorporate all this I was taught because I saw myself being so well. Everybody around me would tell me and not that I care about other people think because I actually don't, <laughs> but you know, people that love me, my friends, my family they they did see it that i was healthy that i was better that i i looked better that i i had a real smile not a fake smile on my face and i i had i had a lot of respect for life and my life for that and that respect made me compliant and eventually that compliance made me want to come forward with my story because I felt that if I had all, all all this knowledge and if I had all this, you know, I had had this under the opportunity, I needed to give back. And I, if not, I would I would be a hypocrite because I would be keeping to myself a lot of things that a lot of people struggle with. And I, I just wanted to make it my my purpose to just help as much as I can in, in the little time I have because, you know, I also have a job and a, and a life to live but my spare time I just try to put this forward uh for others to learn and to to have have these tools or at least the contact to so that they know that they're not alone because one of the most sad or, or difficult bits of it was to feel that I was alone in this journey and and as I opened up and I opened up my Instagram a couple of years later after my journey 
and I started to tell my story. Um, and because I also had so much touch point with other lymphedema patients while I was in the clinic, uh, and I and and everybody had this like narrative of feeling by that they were alone and 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 then we had these wonderful conversations for example how hard it is to look for shoes or pants and we would laugh about it and and a hard moment to become a comical moment it's such a wonderful thing and i wanted others to to feel that and and just to feel related to something that they were not going through this by themselves that there is so many others like like themselves like myself going through that um and and this is what brings me here to tell the story a story that like this I've not told anywhere maybe to a couple of my friends um but just because I think as women as well I we you know we I'm sorry but we get the wrong hand of the wrong end of the stick all the time it's it's hard we we live <laughs> already um a lot of stigmas a lot of um it's hard being a woman in this world day and age i'm sorry it is um and you know we're, we're breaking boundaries all the time and to talk about something so personal and to be having something in your area that it, it's meant to be intimate and it's meant to be perfect because if not you're not going to be accepted it's hard so my hand, my extended hand for help for anybody out there that is going through this, I'm happy to serve as a point of contact for anybody that needs it. And um, I hope this helps anybody that's going through something similar or at least feeling related. Um, I said I was going to say a little bit about that surgery and um, I want to kind of bring that story back because it was quite interesting you know like I said I I I mean I'm straight I've only been sexually with men <laughs> and you know I haven't seen many many vaginas in my lifetime in, in front picture like in front of me <laughs> and you know I actually when I was in the process of surgery I didn't know what that meant for me to get the surgery or like what it was going to look like they had showed me a little bit but I was like yeah yeah as long as you take this problem off and they and they did that did that surgery and they took the problem off but then I looked at it and I couldn't recognize it and I'm like what is this and how is it supposed to look like and I had to recur to like watching porn to actually look at all their vaginas I'm like what does it really look like and what can I get my hands on to actually compare myself and I did that um I remember telling my best friend uh saying like look dude I don't know what's happening down there but I had to google what does a vagina look like because I didn't know um yeah for so many years it looked so different and I it, it was it's just I find it funny now it's just interesting but yeah, what they did was a full reconstruction. Um, they took out all that tissue that was exacerbated and, and, and extra. And they brought it back to kind of like, quote unquote, normal size. Um, and and yeah, I, I was completely successful. I'm not going to say it was completely fixed because I, I some of the swellingness uh, came back. And we knew that that was going to happen. And I might have, I might need to get another surgery for it eventually but I'm okay with that and and that's I knew that that was going to happen 
um, but it hasn't reached at all to the levels that it was. Um, I have to say this anecdote because it was quite impactful for me. A year later, when I went back to the surgeon at, for another consultation, which I was, you know, doing well, and I was back in the Foley Clinic to do some of another treatment so that I could keep, um, I could stay in, in the in, in good state. Uh, just because, like I said, the worse my legs are, the worse my abdomen and genital area was going to be because it's just how the flow of fluid occurs. So I made it make a very big thing in my life to keep my legs as well as possible. And when I went to that the consultation and I talked to the surgeon, we were talking a bit more in depth and he's like, look, you're doing great and I'm quite impressed and I'm very happy for you. And I have to confess, you're the worst case I've operated to date. That was quite, quite shocking for me to hear. And it is still this day kind of something I live by as well. Because, you know, it's come, I'm in a very different stage. And if I'm, if I was able to transform my life by adopting everything that we're told, that will work, but also by listening to my body and by being honoring my well-being, then everybody can and all of you can. And all of this is what normal adjustments is about. When I talk about normal adjustments, it's about allowing ourselves to normalizing adjustments Adjustments meaning the things that we have to do to to live this life because because you're you. Sometimes that means wearing glasses. You have to wear glasses to see, and not everybody likes to wear glasses, but you have to because you're not you're not gonna see. It might mean for others not to eat dairy because you're lactose intolerant, and you know if you know that you're gonna have consequences if you eat the cheese. You're going to get the farts. <laughs> and it is what it is. Um, and it might mean for others like ourselves to wear a compression and to be diligent with it and to adopt that. And for me, it meant changing the way I ate, adopting what it's called the MCT diet, which is what I follow, Ad wearing that compression religiously, knowing that I needed to wake up and wear them, not... I. You know, it is what it is. Wearing those garments, those bandages, um, drinking less or not drinking, drinking more water, incorporating exercise religiously. And all these things is what I call adjustments. But all of it gave me well-being and changed my life. And I am so grateful for it. And I'm so grateful for them. And... Rather than I changed, started changing my perspective and rather than thinking that all of this was my enemy and rebelling against it, like I did for many years. On the opposite, I, I was grateful for them. And I am grateful for them. Because it returned my functional life. It allowed me to live the life I am living now. Which I call pseudo normal because it's not, you know, I have all these things I have to do. I have to take time off. Sometimes say I cannot go to this, I cannot do that, and, and I have to do it differently. And now I'm okay with it. 
and I encourage everyone to live that truth and that's what I call the truth not everybody have to go on social media or be open about it and, and I'm I, I'm just doing this because I can and, and I and I am happy to do so but it's just it's for yourself this is not for anyone else because I heard this quote recently about from this like um psychologist that talks a lot about um the perception of 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 your life and how controlling that perception is your best friend because you're you are in control of your story and your well-being and it said that if you don't take care of yourself you're useless to everyone and that was quite powerful as well to hear and, and it really resonated because this is what my life has been the last five years and it will continue being and this is what I talk about in normal adjustments and in normal, in normal adjustments I bring stories about not only lymphedema you know lymphedema is what inspired mine but it on the project but also about anything it can be brain cancer it can be fibromyalgia infertility anything that it's not quote-unquote meant to be normal um, because what I try to do is that we have to take the stigma out of those things that make our life different and because that is actually normal because we all have to do a little adjustment to live life so that means that normal is not really normal like I say not being normal is not no it's more normal than being normal <laughs> um so yeah that is some of my story um in a very reduced and <laughs> summarized manner honoring the real turning point and the climax in my life with was which was my journey with genital lymphedema where everything clicked and why am i here those moments that i stopped feeling sorry for myself because i did a lot of that <laughs> Um, I did went through a very depressive stage and I changed eventually because I saw I regained um, um, my appreciation and value for life and I changed the narrative. Now, like I said, this story didn't stop there. It's something I keep dealing with. It's something that I'm going to keep dealing with my whole life. And what I do uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, I one of the things I notice is works very well is, first of all, keeping my legs the best they could so that that really influences my genital lymphedema. Also, I wear compression shorts religiously in the event or days that my maybe the genital area is a bit swollen. I wear a bit pads under there, a bit of foams. Uh, I stay home and do that. Resting is very important and exercise. That's kind of like my template of well-being. The same as staying very hydrated, eating well, um, and all that stuff. And I know that if I don't follow that, it's I'm gonna get, have consequences and now the consequences are less and less because in general my life is a much better place uh, but I know that and I accept that um, and for those of you wondering what happened next <laughs> well it was quite powerful to regain um, my confidence 
and my sexual kind of confidence a bit not 100% I have to be very honest it's something I still deal with it's something I still struggle with but it was quite powerful to kind of be giving another chance and I've believe me I've taken advantage of it at, at a certain point um, and to a certain extent uh, because my soft heart doesn't allow me to be wilder <laughs> um, but no without joking yeah it, I am okay and I am very grateful for it all and I have to thank everybody that was involved in that journey And I have to thank everyone that supports me, supported me and supports me to this point because it's been wonderful. Um, and believe me, I I feel for everyone starting their journey and I, I am here to help anybody that needs to because I know how hard it is and how those feelings, like I said in the beginning, of shame and guilt and so many things. I was... I cannot even tell you how how much guilt I put on myself for not being more diligent before, for not following the protocol or processes in the past, um, for not listening to my body better, for trying to follow others. I, I gave myself so much of a hard time for so long. But you know, that that's behind me and I understand that it all happened for me to get here. And you know... It's, it's an interesting and, and, well, not magical, but quite, quite maybe interesting for a lack of a better word, um, journey. Now, that is it, me for today. I know um, a bit more, I can speak a lot, this a bit longer than what I, I thought or intended. Um, so I'm just going to leave you with, Uh, you know, my my contact information in case anybody needs anything or wants anything. My Instagram is Faciolita with an F-A-C-C-I-L-I-T-A. That's where I do most of my advocacy. Um, and then on Normal Adjustments, you I have my website, normaladjustments.com. There you can see a bit of, you can listen to all the episodes there as well. But you can listen to all the episodes of my podcast in any of the major podcasting platforms like Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And also we have the Instagram page for Normal Adjustments, which is Normal Adjustments on Instagram. I also have the Facebook page uh, and Twitter and you name it. Uh, I'm trying to raise as much awareness as I can because that is my duty. Uh, and thank you everybody for listening to this point. Uh, thank you, Betty, again for the opportunity and hopefully we'll speak soon. Bye, everyone. Hey, Lymphedema Podcasters. This is Brittany Williams, founder of Bryland's Feet Foundation, the first and only nonprofit specific to pediatric lymphedema in the world. If you are looking for a way to give back to the lymphedema community, why not support the youngest warriors fighting lymphedema? This August, we are hosting our annual fundraiser, and it's virtual, so that means everyone can get involved. For more information, please visit brylandsfeet.org gala. That's B-R-Y-L-A-N-S-F-E-A-T dot org slash gala.